You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hopefully you have had an excellent weekend, and we're kicking this week off with a series like we did last year. This is Vortex Week, and so what I do every year is I go to Barneville, Wisconsin. That is the uh, Vortex Optics HQ, and it's a big HQ, and uh, I I go there for a day, hang out, or a day, day and a half, hang out with some guys who uh, I would consider friends from, from Vortex that I've known for a real long time, and uh, I played on their softball uh, league. I was asked, to, hey, man, you want to come and play softball with us one night? And so I came and played softball, and uh, I recorded three different podcasts, two Nine Finger Chronicles episodes, and, uh, and, and one Hunting Gear podcast episode where you're going to learn all about the new, uh, the new stuff or the new uh, products that have come out in the last year from Vortex. So it's, um, it's a really fun, fun episode. And I will say this, that obviously, if you guys have never used Vortex products before, Vortex products makes really good products. And the more time that I spend with the people at Vortex, the more I just like the company in general, because everybody that works there that I that I've met so far is genuinely excited about working at Vortex. They love the product line. They love the fact that they get to to do something that you know work in a for a company that represents shooting sports and the outdoor lifestyle. And so um, just just meeting the people and talking to all of the, uh, the guys that uh, guys and gals that work there, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. And so um, hopefully you guys enjoy this week, this lineup of podcasts here on Vortex Week. Uh, today we're going to kick it off with a guy named Cooper Long. And Cooper is a hardcore whitetail nut and uh, today's episode is all about cooper how he got in how you know his uh, his intro into vortex uh, we talk about his intro into hunting we talked to and then we get into a really detailed story about a buck that he had chased for multiple years that he finally caught up with and it's a really good story and i, I know you guys if you're if you're hardcore you're definitely gonna enjoy it if you're a hardcore bow hunter, you're definitely going to enjoy it. Uh, what else do we got to talk about today? I think that's it. We're gonna get. We're gonna run. We're gonna do the commercials here real quick, 
and then we'll get right into uh, episode number one of Vortex Week. All right, so the first uh, company I want to talk with you about today is Tethered. So, man, I tell you what, I just got the brand new lockdown. Um, man, it's sitting in my little space over here where I keep all my hunting gear and equipment. And I've I've tried on the new lockdown saddle by Tethered. I'm really looking forward to using it this upcoming season just because of how it's it's very comfortable. Uh, to sit in and it's got the hip pockets on it now which allows you to carry all of the you know like for me i'll I'll be carrying bow ropes for me i'll be carrying uh screw in steps or excuse me screw in bow hangers and uh hangers for my pack all of my other little trinkets that i need like a grunt tube or my release or whatever i need right away and I don't have to dig through my pack. That's what I'm going to be carrying. And I just like it, the ability on the new lockdown that it, it's just access for me. E- easy access. The goal is to get to the bottom of the tree, go up one time, pull the bow up or clip in, pull the bow up. And, and now we're good to go. So um, if you want to find out more information about all of Tethered's products, whether that's uh, saddle hunting accessories, whether it's climbing sticks, whether it's their entire lineup of saddles, go visit tetherednation.com. Uh, next on the list, we have Wasp Archery, man. I am, man, I'm getting ready to do, to do the thing. And I'm going to start, like, I don't really shoot with field tips anymore. I have some old, you know, so like everything that I didn't use from the previous year, I used during my setup this summer. So I'm shooting with broadheads on already. And I, I like doing that because I don't care what you say. And I think the guys over at, uh, um, Vorte or excuse me, over at uh, wasp would agree with me, but a field point is not a broadhead and I don't care if it's a fixed blade broadhead or a mechanical broadhead something is different about what you put on the end of your broadhead so in my opinion everything needs to be tuned luckily some um, mechanical broadheads don't need to be retuned as much once you take off your field point and put your um, head on so what I what I'm getting at here is I I like to practice with my broadheads already on and it's every time I pull it out and I pull the rubber band back over top of my uh, uh, my jack my three blade jackhammers I just I'm just getting excited with every shot of the upcoming season because I know that my wasp and I know this sounds kind of commercially at this point but my 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 wasp broadhead is going to perform a majority of their heads are still made in America and the fact that they are made from the best material designed you know the design is very well built very durable broadheads and they're going to cause a ton of destruction on whatever it is they hit whether that's bone whether that's uh, soft tissue whether that you know you have a marginal shot into the guts or the hindquarters it's going to do a lot of damage and a lot of damage means quicker dead animals and ultimately that's what you want so um go visit vortex op or jesus i'm i'm out of it today go visit go visit wasparchery.com take a look at their mechanical and fixed blade options i'm a huge fan of the three blade jackhammer and then from there uh use the discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off uh last but definitely not least and uh you know, it's Vortex Week, so we'll end with a Vortex commercial. If you guys are 
looking for um, a, a very high quality spotting scope, binoculars, rangefinder, rifle scopes, red dots, please go check out vortexoptics.com and just browse through their lineup. They have just released the new Triumph HD binocular. It's at a lower price point. It's very affordable. And I've had, I have one in my hands right now. It is high quality. It's high quality for the price point. And so go check that out and go visit Vortex Gear, their apparel line, and you can get enter uh, discount code nine finger and that's going to give you a discount on, on just their apparel. So uh, go check that out. Other than that, man, I think uh, the commercials are done here. Let's get into episode number one here in Vortex Week with Cooper Long. So we're good. We're, 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 we're rolling. We're, we're going. All right, Cooper Long, Vortex Optics. Barnevold, 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 close enough. Yeah. <laughs> for, my first question for you is, what does it feel like to be the best player on the on the Vortex softball team? Oh man, you can't throw that question <laughs> at me off the bat here. I'm there for the fun. It's a good time, of course. I uh, and I, I was happy to participate in that game. Uh, as a basically a DH. Yeah, uh, you had the best spot. Yeah, I had I had a blast doing it. My knees are a little sore this morning. You and me both. <laughs> but but I feel okay. It was it's definitely a beer league. Absolutely. And yep. uh, I enjoyed that part of it too. <laughs> but uh, but what do you think about the pitching? What do you think about Sawyer and his pitching performance? Honestly, ten out of ten. ten? And really, and, and the reason I say that is because you uh, you actually missed the game that I was on the mound. Okay. And it was atrocious. It okay. was bad. I got shelled. I yeah. think I gave up like seventeen home runs. Seventeen or home seventeen runs. Excuse okay. me. <laughs> One or two home runs for sure, though. There was a couple rows in there. You you might have had to. Be, you know, you should have been pulled at Ex- some point. Exactly. Yeah. And I kept saying, but they're like, no, you got you got to got to grind it out. You know. That's hilarious. Yeah, man, I had fun. Uh, how long have you been working at Vortex? Uh, just three years. Three, three years. years and a couple weeks now. Okay. Yep. So you have a, a story similar to some other guys that worked here. Um, talk to us a little bit about your intro into, I guess, the the hunting space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously uh, hunting was huge, like my favorite hobby of all time, you know. And as a kid, it was, oh, you know, it would be so cool to work in the hunting industry. You know, it's your, it's your favorite hobby. Yeah. Um, and it was always just kind of a dream, you know, like it's almost too good to be true. Right. Right. Well, uh, I was going through college needed an internship to graduate and, uh, good buddy of mine reached out and he's like, Hey man, we're looking for internships, uh, at Midwest Whitetail. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I'm willing to grind figure this out at this point. I hadn't touched the camera yet other yep. than, you know, purely tinkering around. Yeah. Um, got on with those guys, uh, pretty much got thrown in the fire which i would prefer that way anyways yep. you know that's the best way to learn yep um but from there got hired on with midwest for a couple of years uh which turned into 41 north um and then spent some time in southern iowa obviously chasing big bucks with those guys which obviously was a who you can't beat that man no you can't no um but then uh vortex had a, a video job open up and it was closer to home and mm-hmm. I'm that crazy guy who was living in Iowa and driving back to Wisconsin to hunt deer that I just well, I was stuck on, you know. So I thought, you know what, I might as well head back and yeah. been here ever since, man. Yeah. So did you come from a hunting family? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Uh, I mean, honestly, as far back as I can remember, I was hunting with my dad and my grandpa. Yeah. You know, when you can't hardly hold a gun up, you're carrying 
the empty gun with you know the little four four ten single shot you know to yep. teach you the ropes and yeah it's funny um when when you talk about the word tradition right the first state that comes to mind is wisconsin for hunting tradition and maybe it's the the school shut down during the the opening day of rifle season but there's something in wisconsin surrounding hunting that is not comparable like iowa doesn't have it Mm -mm. you know iowa has a little bit of tradition around the shotgun season you know guys get together they go on deer drives um but it's nowhere close to i guess the word would be camaraderie that i keep hearing out of wisconsin why why do you think that is so honestly man like i look at opening day of our gun deer season as a holiday it should be a national holiday it's like the one thing that my group of buddies uh and family uh like you look forward to no matter what is going on you're stopping and everyone's going to deer camp and to your point about the camaraderie it almost gets to a point where like no one even really cares if they you know harvest a deer at all it's just the bs and that that comes with it yeah that you know, those are the stories that you never forget, or yeah. maybe you do, you know, depending on your yeah. camp, but yeah. And so as, as you know, you're, you're born into this tradition, uh, your, your family hunts, but you, I mean, and, and everybody I talked to, I said, you know, I, I can talk with the guys that I've always talked with here at Vortex, but I want to talk with someone who's a serious bow hunter. So where did you hit the archery bug or the bow hunting bug and, and how and why did that stick man that's i feel like that's a that's a question a question that there's so many answers to really um but the archery side of white tail hunting it, it started when i was 12 i was out with my dad yeah was lucky enough to you know shoot my little youth bow 32 pound draw weight mm-hmm. and i had a little five point buck do the dance and uh my dad was with me of course we got to watch him tip over yeah one of those stories you'll never forget and then, uh, and honestly, since then I was hooked. It was just, yeah. it wasn't necessarily like the success part of the hunt. Mm-hmm. It was watching deer be deer. Yeah. And and as I've grown through, you know, bow hunting over the years and and learned what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Um, it just kind of, at this point, it's like I want to learn each and every deer and what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's something there's something that, and I was talking with some guys upstairs or this morning about, uh, you know, long range shooting. Yep. And I'm there's nothing wrong with it. I'm I'm not against it. I or anything like that. But there's something that would be missing for me. Yep. If I'm shooting an animal over a hundred yards. Yep. And or maybe even longer than that. But getting intimate with that with a whitetail specifically and and, be and beating them at this game that you're essentially playing exactly is dude i get fired up for that stuff and here we are in june yeah and i'm like <laughs> ready to go let's go man let's go it is go time <laughs> exactly yeah you can't you can't beat it it's uh and when i guess when you you do figure that that deer out or or a deer out mm-hmm. um and then you do find success in the harvest it's like it's so rewarding because you know that that, in in my opinion at least, that animal is smarter than you. Yeah. Nine point nine 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 times out of ten, they are going to beat you at your game. Yeah. And when you finally get that moment, you get that shot opportunity, execute it all. It works out. It is. 
it's like the most rewarding emotional feeling ever. It's like yep. you don't know what to do, you know. Yep. Okay, so you you fall in love with bow hunting, and then how long did it take for you? I I I the learning curve period, right? It's yep. it's the oh my god, I they have a nose. Oh my god, you know they can they. I have to have certain access routes into places. Uh, I need to stop hunting on field edges every single day. Like, yep. how long did it take you to figure out whitetails? Man, I feel like I still I'm still figuring them out, you know. Yeah. Um, but I would say where I really really dove into it was high school for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between my freshman and senior year, I was uh, lucky enough to live on the outskirts of town, so I could sneak in a bow hunt after football practice. You know. Yep. Um, and, and I guess from that day, uh, it was just one of those deals where, like, that – it's hard to explain, you know? It's like that deer did that thing. Mm-hmm. Why did he blow at me? Mm-hmm. And and once you figure those types of things out, uh, I feel like it's like you're you're not – it's not really like a time thing. Yeah. Um, it's like I guess it's, it's worth it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go sit a, a stand all day that I know I might not see a ton of deer, but my wind's right. I know the deer I'm – searching for is potentially in the area mm-hmm. and you just learn yeah you just figure it out you know yeah it's i i've always thought that there is there was an aha moment mm-hmm. right where it's a single moment that makes the light switch go go on but what i've realized and this this happened to me in 2016 it was it wasn't an aha moment it was more of a a culmination of all the times i've failed in the past and me being able to use my brain to go back and go, that failed, that failed, that failed. You had success here, that failed. And then you're just putting more information into some database. And then the numbers that are the decisions that you pull out of it are more accurate because of all the mistakes you made in the past. Absolutely. And so uh, in 2016, and knock on wood, I'm on a roll since, yeah, since then. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, yeah, just being able to walk in and go, okay, yeah, I'm going to go here. The wind's here. And you do it without thinking. Yeah, it's yeah. it's subconscious almost yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Okay, and then so as you start to really get into this and, and dive into it in high school, did, like, how did your first seasons go as a solo bow hunter? Honestly, I was super lucky. Yeah. Um I had, and I think that's probably contributes to why I'm so fixated on it. Mm-hmm. And it's not at, at this point; it's not the harvest of the deer. I'm I'm past that. Mm-hmm. It is what we kind of mentioned before. It's beating those older, mature bucks. Mm-hmm. And I and you can't. I just can't get enough of that, man. Yeah. So when you say you got lucky, are you the guy who sh- shot a booner his first year with a bow? No, but yes. It, so not a booner, <laughs> not a booner, not a booner. But for you know, for a young a, a young hunter huntress of any yeah. sort just learning the game i was i would never pass those yeah caliber of bucks up you yeah. know and then you know at that time they were a younger deer and and now it's just i enjoy one watching those deer be deer learning hey i might see you in a year i'm gonna i'm gonna learn your tactics here yeah did you go through a uh it's brown it's down phase at all so honestly not necessarily um and it was just because i, I had like the the thought in my head you know if if i'm out hunting for i guess let me get let me get my thought here i would say not necessarily um 
Brown is down by any means, but you know that first that first tag that first year, yeah. I was gonna shoot any any deer that gave me an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, whether it was a spike buck, a doe, a booner, you know, it didn't matter. Yeah. I was I was definitely doing that. Yeah. So for me, just kind of a, a quick background. I didn't I didn't necessarily go through a brown it's down phase. Yep. You know, I jumped right, and I didn't really start taking bow hunting serious until I was 26. Okay. Right? And then it took me almost 10 years until I it started clicking for yep. me. And so uh, six, uh 2016 I would have been th- shit 36 years old or something like All that. Right. I don't I can't even remember how old I am anymore. Doesn't matter for 30, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I shot some deer along the way, yep. but um yeah. Anyway, so um as so as you as you started to get uh deeper into it into into archery, what were some things that clicked for you as far as strategy was concerned that that brought you the most success like you were hyper focused on this thing yep. and it and it start and it gave you the best the best success I would say the biggest thing that that like kind of like your aha moment mm-hmm. I'm like you know you can do the dance and and you know try to be as scent free as possible right and we yeah. all try to do that we do the best we can but yeah. deer are going to beat us right so yep. the biggest thing for me was like okay you need to play the wind yeah you're never going to beat that you might get lucky and beat it you know during the rut, hot yeah. dough comes by fingers crossed right right um but i would absolutely say the wind direction in fact like if i know a deer's in a, in a particular area and that wind is atrocious like at my back blowing in i will not go yeah absolutely not yeah yeah are you the kind of guy who goes into an area with a marginal wind, not necessarily a bad wind, or are you trying to cut it all, or are you are you back like wind to the face winds going completely different direction than when they're deer? I right? would say uh, time of year dependent for okay. sure. Um, you know, early season, not a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna save it. I don't want to booger anything up. Yep. I'm going to play it super safe. Yep. You know, first week of November rolls in, Halloween typically, that I might start getting a little more risky for sure. Yeah. And not necessarily on a, you know, a, a terrible wind by any means, but if it's going to gust on me a little bit, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll take my chances, you know, hope for the best. Yeah. And, man, I, I don't know about you if, the, if you've ever observed this, but once the – once like, okay, there's the vegetation on the trees – all the leaves start to fall off and throughout the whole period of the leaves falling off, even into like late November when they're all off mm-hmm. that wind in there changes hundred percent agree. And so here, one thing that I've found, unless it's a Loctite, like a Loctite stand location, mm-hmm. I can't go back to the same tree like multiple times in a row yeah. just because throughout, you know, shit, one rainstorm, and a whole bunch of wind in late October is taking a lot of leaves off the tree. Oh, yeah. And then the thermals are affected by that. The wind direction and wind speed is also affected by that. And so it's hard for me to go into a, uh, into uh, back into a, a timber and think everything is going to be the same again yeah. when it's not. It, as much as you want to, you oh, just yeah. can't do it, man. Right. And, and actually to that point, you know, how everything changes, um, I'm very fortunate. I got a great buddy, a good family friend of mine uh, that allows me to hunt their land. And where I was lucky enough to uh, catch up with this deer, mm-hmm. you're hunting a giant, essentially a giant bull. Yeah. So, you know, you can you can do everything 
possible to you know check your apps check this check that yeah. for wind direction and i guess another aha moment because of that wind was that no matter what you're checking we were finding that it was never what it was mm -hmm. because of the train you're hunting so you know once that you know early november rut rolls around yeah i'll, I'll risk yeah. that potentially debatable wind yeah you know otherwise it's just play it safe yeah for the most part yeah for sure okay um I, I hunt a similar, not it's not as big as the big block of timber that you're hunting, but it's similar in a way where it's uh, a big terrain feature runs through this entire block of timber. There's ridges that go up, but it's all timber. Yep. And then it's surrounded by, uh, there's a road on one side and there's some ag on, on the south side. And so what are your thoughts on buck, where a buck beds specifically because I, I hear a lot of these things like a, a buck will b go back to the same ridge every single you know day and they'll go to the same bed every single day. And that's one thing that I just do not see no. in, in that type of scenario. Right. And so to, the, to that point, I've seen it one time. Yeah. Otherwise, I've never. Uh, and, you know, they might be there. They very well could be there. Yeah. And, and maybe it's just I'm not going into that chunk because mm -hmm. of the wind, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I have not found that – in our chunk particularly that bucks are you know staying to one ridge they're they're cruising for sure and and we don't have we have an apple orchard to the north mm -hmm. so obviously they they're loving that mm -hmm. um but otherwise there's not a whole lot of ag to speak of so yeah. these deer are just running these oak ridges nonstop. and i don't it seems as such that they just never stop yeah. you know yeah when is wisconsin's opening day for archery uh usually this uh the second saturday of september so in uh, September. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then, um, so walk me through your approach to your entire archery season. How, like, what are you doing in September? Or, hell, let's even go through, what are you doing in July? I was going to say, we can back up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing in July, August, September, leading up to when you feel is the best time to, to attack? Yep. Um, so I, I used to uh, be the, the crazy gung-ho got to get cams out as soon as velvet's mm -hmm. popping right right uh and over the years i've just kind of learned that you don't necessarily need to do that you're just not necessarily wasting pictures but it's just not necessarily needed yet right, right. you stay out let the deer do their summer thing um so now uh I, I usually try to do the cam thing in july mid-july fourth of july weekend and then towards the end of july into august you know and deer starting to you know form the racks mm -hmm. uh, i'm trying to hit a bean field with okay. with with a camera and and some binos try to uh and not necessarily thinking that like hey i might harvest this deer near here mm -hmm. what one is one to see that that made it through you know gun season they're back they didn't leave the farm all right like i'll yeah at that point i'm getting pumped ready ready for opening day yeah for sure do you see a uh, a shift in deer movement in um coming out of velvet into the hardhorn phase so i what I've learned over the over the last few years is that while you might not like see that deer or, or get pictures of that deer, you know, not oftentimes are they that far away. Mm -hmm. They they might have changed, you know, they might have went a ridge over here where we're not focused. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I, and I've also heard stories where you know a guy will watch this buck in in all velvet and he'll get harvested first week of archer season seven miles away. Yeah. You know, so it's like I feel like every whitetail is a little bit different in that regard. You know. Yeah. Um. But ultimately, it's at that point. It's like, all right, I'm yeah. gonna watch you. I'm gonna pin you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to 
get your tactics coming in. Yeah. Um, have you noticed on – so I hunt the big block of timber. It's, I mean, it's a big block of timber, but it's it's not gigantic. I would say it's maybe 100 to 200 or somewhere between 100 and 200 acres, okay. but solid rectangle, ag all around it. So it's influenced by crop rotation. Yep. It do is the deer herd that you hunt influenced by crop rotation at all? You think? I would definitely say so. Um, and we don't like I mentioned, we don't have anything super super close. Yeah. Um. So I know you know post rifle season, a lot of these deer are not leaving, but they are going to the neighbors mm-hmm. wherever whatever egg they can find. They're they're leaving. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So trail cameras come out sometime in July. You, yeah, sometime in July. Um. And I'm not usually you know. Yeah, I'm trying to get the deer's tactics, but I'm not, you know, going whole crazy, going in there every day, moving camps, yeah. trying to pick him up. Like, hey, I right. know he's here. I'm good. Okay. Um, and then kind of going through August, uh, usually velvet, velvet, hit hit the back roads, just doing laps. One, because I just enjoy seeing deer, even yeah. if they're deer that I might not be chasing in a, in a month or two, you know. Yeah. Um, Have you ever learned anything about a specific deer from glassing from the road? Hmm. I wouldn't say anything particularly. Um, maybe, I guess what I have noticed is, though, is that once that rut, so they might velvet, do their summer gig there, do the rut. I have seen deer come back yeah. post-rut, come okay. back home. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, at what point are, are you the guy who goes in and sets stands before the season starts? Do you have historical, you know, good stand locations or are you a running gun guy so uh a good buddy and i when we first started hunting that that chunk we we did hang some permanent stands mm-hmm. right um to those super hard to, hard to get to spots where you know you're going to be sweating going in try yeah. to minimize your your the deer awareness right yep um but now especially in the last three years for sure maybe even four it's i'm pretty much hanging bang every every hunt every hunt yep. yeah do you like that better I do. Um, yes, it's a little more work, but it just makes me a little more versatile. Yeah. Um, you know, you go in, yeah, you're hoping for a north wind, and it's southeast. Yeah. You got you to move, right? right? You don't want to go blow that spot out. And while I might be headed to one of those permanent sets, I'm, I definitely have a hanging bang set with me. Yeah. Not necessarily carrying it up the up the hill, you know, or whatever, but yeah. always being ready to adapt, more or less. Okay. So basically, by the time uh, set the September opener hits, you're – you're ready to go what conditions get you in the woods hunting uh maybe a specific deer or a good pinch in september so september's tough in wisconsin and in iowa obviously you know that man it's it's usually brutally hot yeah um and so at that point i'm not necessarily going to be gung-ho to go hunt a morning right i might try to go hunt a food source and just fingers crossed you know you catch that buck Mm -hmm. at last light type of deal um so I, I guess at that rate, you know, if we have a cool day, you know, which at that point, if it's 75 degrees, you're doing pretty good, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so I guess in, in September, even into early October, I'm not necessarily like full tilt in, yeah. right? Um, and I guess what I've learned in addition to that is the fact that like if you do go in early and, and get very aggressive on these deer, you might bump them out. Yeah. And, and on that particular chunk, we, we found that early. And we're like, you know, where do these deer go? And it's, we're going in there in almost the worst conditions possible. Yeah. And, and and then you just learn that over the years. And just one of those things, you're like, all right, I'm never coming back to that. you got to be patient. Yep, patient. Yep, yep patience. patience is key. All right, so what time 
of year, then are you really starting to, because, you know, for me, I'm a hunter. Yep. I, you know, I'm lucky because in a way having the three kids and a busy life keeps me out of the woods until I make it an absolute priority. When I was your age, that sounds weird, but you're 30. Yeah. Okay. So when I was your age, I was going bananas. Oh yeah. I mean, I was hunting 40 days a year. Yep. I mean, just bananas. And so, um, are you, when do you start going hard? Honestly, mid, mid, to third week of October. Okay. Um, cause I've seen the coolest pre-rut ever yeah. in my entire life. The third week of October, it made no sense. It was a shock to me. It was hot. Just one of those hunts. You're like, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Um, so usually third week of October, I'm full tilt all in but at that point still pretty conscious of wind direction yes these deer are getting a little frisky right but i still ain't trying to bump them out they they're not brainwashed yet enough to be like what's that up there you know i don't know i'm gonna come back and find my doe yeah um so then once that halloween once that halloween time frame comes in though then it's full tilt yeah all hands on deck do when do the does or when do you see the rut really start to kick off on the property that you hunt? So it, it definitely changes uh, from year to year. I've, I've come or come to realize. Um, but I would say typically that first week in November is, is hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can think of a particular situation, and I'd never experienced this in Wisconsin to date. I've seen 13 different bucks out of the same set in a tree. That mm. that was unheard of. And to what me. what date was that? November third. Third. November third. Yep. 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 And so were they chasing it all? Uh, yeah. I every yeah, and I've seen two of the biggest deer I've seen to this date on a doe. Couldn't get a shot. Okay. Typical rut story, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and fortunately in, in this particular chunk there is a ton of does. It's just yeah. a giant chunk, and and not a lot of folks shoot them until yeah. the gun season rolls around. Yeah. Um. Which also I think kind of contributes into seeing them daylight and all all that sort of thing, right? If if you have a dime a dozen does sitting around you, you don't really need to go run. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people start looking for bucks and they just completely forget about does yep. during the rut. And if you can find a doe group in the area with a shooter buck you know whatever that may be for it's different for everybody yep. that deer at some point is going to come check those does absolutely and that's patience is key man yeah i've yeah absolutely learned that over the years to your exact point you know if you got a, a group of six seven does mm-hmm. mature fawns or not a buck is going to come check them yeah they're going to come into heat at yep. some point and it's going to be crazy wherever those does are so if you can get to that spot you're probably going to have some cool action yeah absolutely now you said November 3rd is usually a good rut day for yep. you. Now, it's funny how, okay, so I am in, in southern Iowa. Uh, I would say from where my farm is, my main farm is, to here, where we're at the Vortex headquarters, is one, two, so probably three and a half hours okay. straight south of here, or, you know, southern Iowa. And I kill most of my deer in the November 1st to November 7th time frame. Yep. And th- I would say that the 7th is the borderline beginning of the rut. Yep. And so it's pre-rut all the way through the first 
week of November. Right. And I don't know about you, man, but I feel like there's a lot of people that get fired up about, like, they get fired up too early in the season. Yep. That's that's the hard. That was the hardest thing for me to learn personally is going into too early. So yeah, I agree, man. That in that that first week though, it's like there's something in the air. You know, you, it's Halloween. October. We almost hit the rut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you go to bed. It's October, and you wake up. It's November. It's like well, rut's on. Yeah, has to be. Yep. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then as the season starts to progress, right, and maybe you're getting pictures of a, a buck. But he's he's not in he's not crossing your path, right? You know he's in there somewhere, but he's not crossing your path. Do you take any? Do you become more riskier, or do you stay true to your strategy uh, throughout the course of November? Absolutely, get more risky for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess same principles, if you will. Like I'm still trying to hunt mm-hmm. the right wind, right? Yeah. Um, but at that point, I've I've been at it pretty hard all day. Sits, so you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you're you're willing to try more things right yep um and it gets even to the point where i think a human's crazy not to hunt a morning yep the first week two weeks of november you're crazy right it's, right it's the best time but what i've learned is that sometimes you do have to you have to change because mm-hmm. of a particular deer maybe he's crossing your path on your path in while you're trying to hunt him 500 yards up the valley therefore you're you're you can't you gotta adapt right right and so even the first week i i've skipped a morning hunt as hard as it is to, and it pains me to this day that mm-hmm. i skipped but it worked it, and maybe it would never work again but it was something that i'm like i have to try i yeah. have to adapt yeah 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 skipping hunts uh i i struggle with that especially when i know it's the rut and i only have limited time yep. to go out and do that i'd rather be in the woods do, like do you do many observation sits? Yeah. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't necessarily, like, in my head there an observation sit, but I don't, like, choose this stand because it's an observation spot versus yeah. this stand because I know he's here. Yeah. Like, I'm still trying to hunt the fringe of where I think this deer is, of course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess you could call it an observation sit. Um, but I'm still trying to sneak close enough that I, I'm in the game. Yeah. Yeah what terrain features or you know you hear the term bedding area you hear the term uh, travel corridor or pinch or staging area or destination food source or whatever it is which one of those is your favorite to to hunt my experience man if you get a good oak ridge a a giant oak ridge with some dense woods the first week of november and you're patient on a good wind yeah you're gonna see deer are you usually seeing sign like a, a lot of sign in that spot as well like rubs and scrapes yeah and that's typically in, in my experiences with this particular chunk um that's all it is mm-hmm. you know we don't have a ton of egg you know field edges necessarily mm-hmm. so when we get on these ridges you know we're scouting we're scouting you know putting cameras up early looking for last year's rubs we're like all right we know this you know we're gonna we shed hunt these spots know these deer come back to bed yeah yep yeah all right we're gonna pivot here all righty man and we're gonna talk about these two beautiful uh sets of sheds we have in front of us from a buck you named the perfect 10 yep okay so what year did you learn about this buck all right let me get this right here he's six and a half when i shot him shot him two years ago so it'd be nine years ago now 
Yep. Okay, so so nine years ago, what's that? That's uh, 2014. There we go. Okay, yep. so 2014. 2014. 2014. Um, you learned about this buck. And... And this first off, let's let's dive into a little bit of detail about this this property. Okay, it's a big block of timber, right? Is there anything special about this big block of timber that makes it a deer, uh, like it makes deer just want to be there? To my knowledge, and I guess if I was a deer thinking about it, yeah. it is in the middle of nowhere, and there's zero like the chunk sits in such a hard spot to get to. Mm-hmm that there isn't much neighboring pressure okay it's essentially a little sanctuary in my head okay while it's a giant sanctuary and you know you might have hunts that you might not see a ton of deer you know they're there yeah you just the patient game right okay and so talk to me a little bit about what these deer are doing on this property as far as movement is concerned throughout throughout a given day in the hunting season yep uh so typically i would say a giant oak it's a giant oak ridge farm yeah. for, more or less right yeah. and w- what i've come to realize is that obviously they're, they're trying to hit the egg the food in mm-hmm. general in the evenings right right and so there's an apple orchard nearby and so in the evening specifically i'm trying to cut those deer off before they get there mm-hmm. while we know a big mature bucket might sneak out at dark right so i'm trying to think ahead of the game to where i might catch him mm-hmm. with enough light right yep and then and then vice versa for the mornings like we've realized that these deer are working the way back in so we don't want to hunt there right because we're going to bust them out going in we're going to try to get to where they might end at 9 a.m right instead of that first light which we all want that first light shot but you know when you're hunting hunting deer over their bedding areas pretty much year round it's just you got to be a little more patient yeah what is it about uh this buck in 2014 that stood out to you guys uh, so my buddy and I, uh, put our first trail cam out mm-hmm. and checked it. This is before cell cams, you know, the, the OGs. And, uh, we checked it and looked at each other and we were like, holy crap, dude. Like we see this buck in five years. He is going to be cool. He yeah. was just this massive, like giant little teeny basket buck. And we're like, he is cooler than hell. Right. Yeah. Fast forward, uh, next year we pick him up and we're like, yep, that's him. You know? And at this point we had thought he was a three-year-old. And we're still we're still getting all the intel on this farm, right? And did you so, did you see him on the hoof in twenty fourteen? Yeah, yep. You did. Yep. Did you pass him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at that rate, I thought two year old, maybe three year old yep. tops. Yep. And it, what was what was he roughly as far as score? Uh, when I when I killed him? No, uh, in twenty fourteen. Oh oh, hundred hundred. Yeah, yeah, I'd say hundred probably. Okay. Yep. All right. And, okay. And so you passed him several times. Um, what was he was he sticking in a, a small or was he covering a large area throughout the farm it was the one deer that i've ever seen be so religious to his home he yeah. never left there okay. was one ridge in the middle of that property and that was his home and and as the years went on it was more and more obvious yeah there was bucks coming off that hill with busted tines every single fall yeah you know and that that was his home you know found his sheds on that ridge yeah Okay. Yep. All right. So, passed several times in 2014. You you knew um, that he was in a specific area. 2015 comes around. Uh, any velvet picks? Oh yeah. Okay, and so. at this point, he's starting to form. He's starting to look more like this. Like, all right, this this deer's doing the dance. Like, yeah. We we want to pay attention to this buck. This oh. is awesome. Okay. He was one of those deer. You 
you wanted to see just to watch him. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. you know, you weren't grabbing your bow. It was just, all right, this is cool. This deer is, this is his home. Yeah. Yeah. In 2015, was he doing the same thing, sticking on the same ridge? Yep. It, just, just like clockwork. Clockwork, man. Pre- it just was, like the previous year. Yep. And and from you know he would he would move on the ridge, of course, but yeah. just ultimately he he was here. If you're gonna hunt one out of let's say there's three ridges available to hunt, just from a statistical standpoint, you're gonna hunt that ridge. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then in 2015, roughly, what what do you think he scored? I would say. 20s buck okay. 20 you know maybe maybe 25 somewhere in there okay so and, and at this rate in wisconsin you know you're it's it's tough to uh obviously you can you know watch your deer try to manage your deer i guess you could say yeah um and it's it's tough to do that for a lot of reasons of course right like a lot of guys don't have that ability to do that for one um and two you know there's there obviously we have a lot of laws you know, as far as feeding deer and things mm-hmm. like that go, and you, and you can't do that, which is just part of the game, right? Um, so I feel like it's in a situation like myself where they have good oak ridges, you know, the neighboring apple orchard, they have that food. You, you with a good buck or with a good doe and the right gene, you will see a good jump in yeah. antlers. But a lot of times, even to get a buck to four years old is, is hard. hard. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Okay. And so did you guys pass him? Did you have close encounters with him in, in 2015? Yep. Yep. And at this point, we're like, oh, you're, you're a beautiful deer. Yeah. You're, you're a beauty. But please jump. Please, please make jump, jump. And please stay here. Yeah. Please stay here. You're doing this perfect for us. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, so, obviously, he makes it through the 2015 season. Uh, 2016 comes around. Uh, pictures. Yep. And, uh, and is it this this one here? It would be this. Yep. This right first here. set of antlers. Yep. Okay. Yep. And a typical 10. Um, same thing? Same deal. Same same exact thing three years in a row yeah and his sh- we found his sheds within probably 200 yards every single every single shed season okay yeah all right so and what is this what do you think this is 130 yeah five yeah somewhere 135 okay he was always a, a real tight rack buck too so he didn't have a you know a giant spread on him but he always had the mass and that for us was that was yeah all we needed like that was holy grail okay know? so to, 2016 you get pictures of him in, in velvet yep. you did did you guys have a conversation of if is this buck a shooter or yeah. not? And was he a shooter in tw- in 2016? Nope. No. No. Yep. So was that hard for you guys to make a decision to pass this buck? I wouldn't necessarily say because he's he's potentially a four year old yep. at this point. And at this, and you're exactly right. And at this point, we were come to find out off a year. Yeah. So I was thinking he was three. Actually, it was four. Okay. Yep. And so. Because you aged, this is all based off of age. Yep, yeah. yep. And if, when uh, when I finally harvested him, we sent the teeth in, it, which confirmed the fact that we were wrong about his age. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. So, 16, was he doing the same thing? Any any crazy sporadic moves, or he's clockwork? Again? He, 16, he goes to dust for a little bit. Okay. Yep. Um, well, not far. He would still make his, his pass through the home, the home ridge, right? But it was not near as frequent. He was summering on the neighbor's for sure i would say yeah um and by that you know that's a couple hundred yards away you know not like he's moving counties by any means yeah but um fast forward through summer sheds his velvet pre-route rolls in boom right back home yeah yeah so he he like that's got to be a good feeling to just say okay i'm not even gonna yes he's a good caliber deer in 2016 uh next year Hopefully he makes a big jump. 
And but you don't need to worry about him because for the last three years he's done the exact same thing for the most part. Yep. Right? A little you, he goes to you a little bit, but pre rut hits he's back. Yep. Right. So it's almost like I know where I'm going to be next year per se. Yep. All right. Okay. 2017 hits and okay I'm looking at both these sets of antlers and there's ob- an obvious jump. Yep. A jump in size here. Um when when was the first velvet picture that you got of this buck? Uh at this point uh we were still doing the little earlier trail mm-hmm. cam to play, right? Yep. Um so I'm I'm sure I have him even mid June. June. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And at that point he was already starting to do the dance and like we're like holy crap. Yeah how are we going to pass this deer? He's, yeah. We think he's only four. Yeah. So he's a, you're thinking he's four or five at this point. We're thinking he's four. But he's really five. He's truly five. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, and so as the summer progresses and you're starting to get more velvet picks of this deer, right, he's a hammer now. Yep. Right. And so um, I'm guessing that you guys go, now he's a shooter. That's exactly Ex- it. Okay. Yep. And so well, admittedly this year, though, we're like, is he four? And at this point, our goal is just to get a five-and-a-half-year-old mature white tail. Mm-hmm. No, neither, neither of us had had set a goal to that mm-hmm. standard and actually executed it, especially on a deer you've known for so long. Yeah. Um, so at this point, we're like, we want to see this deer, but we hope he stays out of shooting range. Yeah. As bad as that sounds, like you want you want to see him, you want to experience him doing deer things, we're like, just one more year. Please, one more year. Okay. Yep. So you guys were – you guys were – were you still on the fence, or did you guys say, okay, this year he's definitely a shooter? We were uh, – no. We're like, no. Okay, so yep. I'm, I'm looking at a 170-inch deer here. Yep. Right? And what would you say – what did you measure him at? Uh, he went at 76 this year. 176. Yep. So he jumped up 40 inches in one year. I mean, he goes from a clean 10 to a split uh, G2 on the left side, just tons of palmation. Uh, we got now he's one, two, three, four, five, six pointer uh, on the left side with a, a pretty sweet point, uh, kind of coming out a little bump here, which on the right before the G two that could be damn near an inch. Right, and so he's beautiful. He's All looking right. how like in Iowa, I would never in a million years pass this buck. Is was it strictly just a management thing for you guys, or was it more of a okay? We've watched what he's done over the past four years. Let's give him one more year and see what happens. Definitely the latter, for sure. We're like we've watched this deer grow for so long. He had the most incredible jump we've mm-hmm. ever experienced. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got to try to give him one year, all while knowing that any anybody and their brother would be ecstatic mm-hmm. to take that deer. How right many people now. other than you and this guy hunt that farm? Just us two. Okay, yep. so you're, you're pretty lucky in that Very aspect. fortunate. Okay, Very good. Very fortunate, yep. All right, um, so the two of you hunt that farm. This 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 buck is obviously a giant uh, at 176 as a four- or five-year-old. You guys say he's off the list. Did you guys pass him at all? I mean, did you guys have him within shooting range? I did. Yeah. I had him one time, and I made the hardest decision I've had to make as a bow hunter to mm-hmm. date as far as – there's this gorgeous white town in front of me, and, and I'm going to pass him. What um, season was it? Was it archery season? This would have been the late archery season. So I want to say like third week of December-ish, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and at this point, they're, you know, transitioning out of the rut. I was hunting travel. travel. I was hunting 
or trying to cut them off from his bed to the food. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he did. But he also came off the hill with a deer that we knew was five and a half years old. We had three years of sheds of him. Wasn't the biggest scoring deer in the world, but it was a mature buck that we had watched that we had beat. He beat us numerous times. And at that point, I'm like, all right, we we have came to this agreement that we're going to try our best to let this deer go. Hope he makes it till next year. I'm super pumped with a mature five-and-a-half-year-old 10-point all day long. So they come off the hill, was super fortunate enough to take that deer, which then – at this point turns into okay that this buck he's made it this far into the season next year's go time yeah yep okay um so it sounds to me like you uh 2014 through 2017 not only was there this buck but there was other deer to hunt on that farm yeah absolutely yeah yeah we uh it's it's a beautiful chunk there's some very mature whitetails there that make it till forever and don't get shot yeah yep okay um and so were you in that time frame did you guys harvest some good deer uh yeah so uh i, I was fortunate enough to take a couple of good ones out of there um my buddy took a couple of good ones out of there and especially earlier you know we we weren't necessarily as fixated on the mature the maturity mm-hmm. aspect right we were just happy with what we were happy with yeah uh, so, and as everybody should be right um, but then as, you know, as we progressed as bow hunters, as we set more goals for ourselves, you know, a, a small little goal is, oh, I'd like to shoot one a little bit bigger than I did last year. Right. Well, yeah. not oftentimes is that going to be the most mature deer. Right. And so what that kind of did for us was it trans transitioned us out of targeting a big antler deer, mm-hmm. of course, to a more mature, harder to kill in most cases, whitetail, just right. because of that, that, that rewarding feeling you get. Yeah. Okay, eighteen comes around. Uh, did did you know he made it through the season once the all the seasons were over? So at that point, late December, I had seen him. Right, mm-hmm. um, he blew at me too many times to ever want to admit. I thought that deer is gone. Yeah, he's gone. Um, fast forward a week, boom, he's right back home. Hits the trail cam. Hallelujah! Right. Yeah. And then at this point, we're just thinking, holy crap! Drop your sheds. Yeah drop please drop yeah you know and so it, it's it's about shed, shed recovery at this point it is yeah yep. and so how many trail cameras did you have out monitoring this buck to try to try to get his sheds oh gosh we had a few yeah. a few for sure yeah, yeah. Is it um, a few like 10 yeah or, yeah 10 okay. 15 probably okay so yeah. a little yeah. more than a few <laughs> yeah 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 and, and, and on a big chunk like that and 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 to that point we i feel like we still didn't Oh yeah, learn, yeah. You know, and not that we're trying to litter this with thousand cameras because yeah. that's not. I I was just assuming that if he he, he was running the same ridge religiously, yep. I would have had ten trail cameras somewhere on that ridge yep. trying to catch something up, something moving on. And to your exact point, so there's a there's a we have a mode path or mode two track, if you will, yep. that surrounds the ridge. Mm-hmm. And so I had cameras on every scrape around that ridge because that was his scrape line. There mm-hmm. was rarely any other bucks hitting it yeah and so i i exactly right surround the ridge we know he's here mm-hmm. yep okay and when did he drop uh he dropped the first week of february both both of these years okay yep all right uh how far apart were these sheds like when you when you found them 100 yards okay so were they like match set right next to each other or did you have to work for them these two were on top of each other like how you dream it up yep uh, these two were, let's say probably 75 yards apart. Okay. He was, uh, 
we had bean a bean plot planted that year and he was in there doing the dance mm -hmm. and dropped the one on the edge of the beans right how you could wish it for right and then uh so you know i'm doing the circle i'm doing the circle adrenaline's going a thousand miles yeah. an hour like he's got to be here right yeah and uh didn't didn't get to the point of giving up i'm like oh dang you know i'm gonna have to work for this which is fine i'm gonna work for it i'm yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put on some serious miles come to find out just like every other situation i already walked by once so he was yeah within about 75 yards i'd say all right, so you're jacked. Oh, at this point. ecstatic! Yeah, buried my truck. It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, eighteen. When yeah. was the first pictures in eighteen? So at this point, we—that's the deer, right? This is the one. Yep. Didn't neither either of us were lucky enough to get opportunity. Ecstatic for either of us, right? Yeah. Um, and and at this point, that was the deer that I'm fixated on. Yeah. Like, I got a I got a side question here for you. Yep. All right, so you are a guest on this farm yep right your buddy's family is allowing you to come out this obviously you and your buddy are uh, talking about this and i'm sure his the landowner knows about this buck and like how did you guys did you guys have a conversation about how you guys were as a team going to approach this or who got first crack uh or or things like that because there are times when a big deer shows up on a property and I've seen it happen. Uh, friendships are lost over, oh, yeah. over it because sure. both people want to shoot it. Yep. All right. H how did you guys approach that? Honestly, it was, we did, we, we started together. We started learning the farm together from, you know, plot work to mm -hmm. trail camps to hanging tree stands, cutting lanes. We, we did it all Yep. like together. There was nobody else rarely that would help us, you know? Um, so I, I'll speak for him too. For us, it didn't matter who we were going to hunt that deer both the right way, mm -hmm. but no matter who was going to get a shot at that deer, it didn't, we were thrilled. You guys we were just happy for each yes, other. He could have yeah. called me and then told me he stuck him and I would have sprinted to that tree stand just as he yeah. would have, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, first pictures in 2018. Yep. When? Uh, I'm going to say mid June again, because at that point we were, we got, we're like, we know this deer's home. We got to find him. We okay. want to know he's here. We we want to make sure he made it through the winter. And, and at that point he was even, which is crazy to me, but I guess I've heard, um, and give me your thoughts on this too, is that, you know, as a deer gets older, gets to a mature five and a half, six and a half year old deer, they will come back home. Their core range will shrink. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? Yeah. I've okay. Heard yep. yep. And I would absolutely say his dead. He quit those long like five six seven day hiatuses he would take now these are maybe a day he's gone he's he's home yeah. at this point yeah um and hell he could have just been not moving yeah right he just i i, I, I i've told told the story before a hundred times i was lucky one day i did a run and gun into a big block of timber and i was on a ridge it was mid to late november and i'm sitting in a tree i'm watching the sun come up and i see a giant coming down the opposite ridge to the south of me and i see him bed down and he stays there so i stay there right he stands up he walks like and this is probably 10 30 11 o'clock in the morning he stands up he goes and munches on some leaves sits back down uh, about five to ten yards away from where he was bedded Stands back up about one, 
something like that, goes back to the same exact bed that he stood up from earlier, munches around a little bit, sits down, and then he stands up with about 10 minutes of light left and starts walking down the down the ridge away from where he came. Like maybe he was going down to get water or something like okay. that. But what I'm getting at is he – and this was – this was November, right? Wow. So when deer are going absolutely bananas, bananas yes. he, he's like this giant mature whitetail who knows that the he'll breed the does, yep. right? And he's so he, not worried about anything. Yeah, he's not worried about anything. Yep. And so he doesn't need to do any of that running around shit. Yep. And so that was a lesson to me, right? And just like you said with core areas, like I'm – if that proper if that ridge wasn't on a different property, I probably could have went in there and got got him. Right. But, you know, is what it is. Exactly. So in twenty eighteen, as the season, you know, as you guys are getting closer to season, was he doing the same thing? His, yes. So his core area shrunk. It's 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 basically one ridge. Essentially, yes. Yeah. And and we're seeing him at this point, I guess to to fast forward through the summer into shed yeah. shed season, he's still home. Yeah. And at this point, you know, pre-ruts coming in, he's starting to show himself daylight. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he's been, for the most part, very nocturnal. Yeah. Lots of pictures, very nocturnal. Pre-rut, what time? Late October? Yep, late October for sure. And then at this point, I am gung-ho. Like, he's here. I am all day sitting, doing... In late October? Last week, I will. Okay. Yep, yep for sure. Okay. And that's weather-dependent, you know, and, and I guess action-dependent too, right? I mean, just because you have one bad hut doesn't mean there's not action on the ridge next to you, right? Right. So I wouldn't necessarily just give up because of a bad hunt that day. Or, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe if you are doing that all-day hunt, maybe adjust that midday, you know, go yeah. to a different spot type thing. But. Okay. How many stands are on this ridge or locations do you have picked out? Is it one for every wind direction? Is it one for, I mean, uh, so you've, you've found this consistent pattern. Yep. Now, were you able to break down that pattern into more details with he likes this this particular ridge on a northwest wind 90 percent of the time did you figure that out so what it what it seemed so the spot's super tough to hunt right how i mentioned that Mm -hmm. your north wind isn't actually north when you get into the spot so kind of what you mentioned earlier about how being adaptable um you know the hang and bang type stuff at this point I knew the general area I was going to hunt this deer that day, mm-hmm. but I was going to use every bit of intel I had in that particular instance to set or to make that set, right? Yeah. And so if, if the wind was wrong, like I, when I ended up harvesting this deer, I'll never forget it. It said southeast wind, mm-hmm. and the wind was hitting me in the face, and that was north. Yeah. Just because of how this terrain works, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts, man. It was cr- that, that would make incredible. a guy frustrated. Was, to get it to get in there. I mean, I don't know how many times I've climbed up in a tree on a given wind, let's just say north, and it's hitting me from the southeast or something like that. I'm just like, Jesus, man, I can't hunt here. I can't. Yeah, I got to drop down and move. It's gonna kill you if you yeah. if you sit there. You're just gonna beat yourself up, right? So, how many times did you guys, did you and your buddy have encounters with him before you killed him? One. One. One encounter. Okay. And what? When was that? And who was it with? So that was me. Yeah. Um, at this point, so we get through that Halloween week. Yep. He's daylight. I'm getting more and more aggressive, right? right? Well, that first week in November comes in. I'm all day sitting if I have to, mm-hmm. doing doing the dance. Well, at this point, I'm the valley kind of runs up like this and forms like a Y. 
and his ridge is right in the middle. So I'm I'm trying to hunt the winds in essentially in these two ravines that that face it right. Mm-hmm. So I get to this spot and it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm big component of get there too early versus too late. Yep. So I I'll get there in the dark. At this point, I'm walking in. I hear the classic blow. I look up in my headlight and he's staring 25 yards in front of me, oh, looking geez. at me. Jesus. And so I and you know we're going at this point starting to get a little frustrating mm-hmm. like i'm doing the dance and he's beating me at it right yep and so that's the 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 first time i seen him with my two eyeballs and i thought okay i can't i can't booger him out of here again yeah um but at this point you know the ruts the ruts getting hot you know you got to stay after him yeah he, he's here this is his home i can't believe that he would leave yeah and so going the next morning same thing standing in the exact same spot Mm -hmm. and i thought okay he's here but i gotta do something different yeah and i'll never i hope i never have to skip a morning hunt in november again um but at this point i'm like all right i gotta i gotta try something and so i skipped that uh so i ended up shooting him november 7th okay seeing him right around that third time those two mornings uh fast forward the work week come back do it get back at him um skip that morning hunt the of november 7th uh so this would be november 6th so you skip the the november 6th hunt because of bad wind uh because i was busting him out essentially okay i i, I just i knew you busted he, him on on november 6th no not november 6th so at november 6th i knew that i couldn't walk through my normal path to enter this spot yep it, for a morning hunt. Okay. I, I needed to let him get through, move on, do his dance, go back to bed. Yeah. November 6th rolls in. Uh, get I go in about 10, 10 a.m. It's hotter than I'll get out. And I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be a long sit, but yeah. it's going to be worth it if I see him. Yeah. Get to 4 o'clock, hadn't seen a deer. And at this point, you know, I'm trying to blind grunt. I'm trying to rattle. I'm trying anything. Anything, right? And uh, I look up to where I think this deer's bedding, and there's a – Never forget it. Just a beautiful little knoll that comes off the ridge, and I look up and hit. There he is, just all puffed up. This is this is my ridge. No one's messing with me. Heads flying down the hill all by himself. Uh, you know, to try everything. To try the grunt, snort, wheeze. Basically, looked at me and gave me the bird. Didn't mm-hmm. care, right? He's he's a hot buck. Do, does this thing. So I thought, okay, I'm doing this right. Like I need to do the exact same thing tomorrow. So I did the exact same thing, went in at 10. He come off the exact same ridge at 4 o'clock again. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't you go in deeper that time if you saw him come in? Uh, purely based off the terrain. Yeah. It's very, very steep hill, and essentially what you have to walk through to get to where I would hunt him at, you're walking through everything that's huntable. Oh, okay. Yep. It's, and it's more of a, yes, I'm aggressive. I'm trying to get as close as I can, but I still ain't trying to get in his bed Yeah. type of thing. Okay. And, it, and it's a – almost impossible hill to hunt if yep. if you're not trying to or if you're if you're concerned about busting your deer out for sure yeah okay yep. all right and then uh so he does the same exact thing as the evening of november 6th same exact to a t couldn't have drawn it up better and it is was this a blind rattle again at this point no so he he just comes off the hill at four o'clock he must have got up out of his bed mm-hmm. on on he goes well at this point i threw a grunt snort wheeze at him mm-hmm. and it locked him up Locked him up in his tracks, and I thought, "Oh boy, yeah. it's, it's on." Yeah. Same. Were you in the same stand? Same stand. Okay. Yep. Left. And and at this point, um, 
I'm I'm there, so I'm leaving my sand. I'm trying to sneak in yeah. as as quiet as I can, right? Same exact tree. Grunt snort wheeze, locks him up. Grunt one more time real lightly. He turns and sprints directly to me. Through the thickest, nastiest crap you could ever imagine. And I thought, no way. Mm-hmm. No way a deer's gonna come through here. Cause I'm hunting like it's actually a, a pretty uh, pretty optimal little pinch point. There's yeah. a rock shelf behind me, logging uh, logging road in front of me, and then his ridge is right mm-hmm. up here. And so he's coming down. I'm thinking, oh, this is gonna be glorious. He's gonna hit the scrape, 15 yard shot, money. Yeah. Per normal, they come through the thickest, nastiest crap. Uh, gets to like 27 yards, I think it was. At this point, I'm starting to black out, right? <laughs> and uh, he stops just perfectly, like. I didn't even have to stop him. I think I think he truly probably seen me because, mm-hmm. you, you know, he's coming to whatever that call was. He knew yep. exactly where I was. And at this point, I'm like, all right, I, I got to execute the shot. Yeah. It's it's now or never. So you drew you drew back at 28 yards? You yep. Said 28 yards? Yeah, right around like 20. Completely broadside? Slight quarter two. Okay. But uphill, slight quarter two uphill. It's a very weird angle, but I had vitals for days. Yeah, for okay. sure. All right. And uh, no issues? Slight issue. Slight issue. Slight issue. Um, I got a pass through. I I would take the shot any day again, but I would take it one inch to the right. I got one long in the liver, mm-hmm. and obviously you don't you know you don't want to worry about your deer, right? right. Um, Did he kick when you shot him? No, he didn't. Did he hunch? Hunch straight up. Yep. Walked ten yards, batted straight down. Didn't move. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. Do not booger this up. He's he's good. Yeah. Like we're gonna let him do his dance. And did he, did he come in aggressive, like with his ears pinned back? Pinned, pinned. back. He so was ready. To he was ready. Here. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is, in my opinion, this is just a guess, but I'm guessing that's the reason he didn't run after you shot him. Probably was because he thought he was probably injured, maybe from another deer. Right. And that would make all the sense in the world. You know, he's fixated on hey. This this new buck's in my territory. Yeah, I got some yeah. things to take care of. And pass through twenty eight yards, one lung, you know one lung liver. Yep. Was he bleeding? Could you see blood at that distance? Yep, I yep. could. And I knew he was hurting. I like I knew it was a lethal shot. I yeah. just had to be careful, right? Yep. Don't booger him up. Let him let him go. So I'm in there freaking out, losing light. Uh, this is four o'clock. Yep. Uh yes and no like plenty of light left like if i would have watched him tip over do the dance you know it would have been fine Mm -hmm. but at this point i knew the caliber of the deer Mm -hmm. that i had just took a shot at Mm -hmm. no one likes to chase a wounded buck around right nope terrible so i'm up there call my dad you know celebrating and hear crunch 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 behind me turn around here's a buck another buck coming off the hill Mm -hmm. and i thought oh boy this ain't gonna be good this ain't gonna be good at all so here he comes straight to me, of course, and ends up getting this buck up. And so at this point, like, I thought he, he was done, right? Mm-hmm. Gets him up out of his bed, and I thought, oh, no, like, this is not good. And I was at this point, I was able to get glass on him. Knew, I knew I hit him hard. And I was like, just let him go. Give him some time. Could you see blood coming yep, out of him? Blood out of both sides. Yep. Yep. And I just did. So was it a – so at that angle, he's, he's coming downhill – Uphill. Oh, he's going uphill. Yep. Angled uphill, yeah. Okay, so that makes – okay, I thought he was coming downhill. Yep. So, according to – so, it was 
it was backside of front lung and then liver. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's a good shot, I think. And, and I would take it. And I just, you know, obviously we're all trying to be perfectionists when we're shooting that deer. Right. And so I, if I could take that an inch to the right, I would have yeah. hallelujah, right? Right, right. Yep. Okay. Um, and then you, you're seeing him bleed. Other yep. buck comes up. And then what did you do? Lose? He's, he stands up walks up the hill walks he's coming towards you away from me away from you okay yep and he, so he's walking and yep. he's hurting yeah and i thought I tail know going oh yeah yep. yep and doing the dance and i thought okay that's that's fine he's mm-hmm. just gonna walk off get away and, and, and expire yep. right but at this point um i was very fortunate i had a good buddy who had a, a, a blood tracking dog yep um and you know told him the exact scenario he's tracked many deer told him how i hit the deer what he did and he's like, Coop, do, do not even go to your arrow. He said, back out. I'm not worried at all. We will find this deer. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to that exact moment, of course, I had one very sleepless night. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went first light the next morning, and he went 50 yards just over the knoll and tipped over. Oh, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. It was incredible, man. I had the group of best buds there with me to yeah. help drag it out. It was that, that was the next morning. Yep, next first morning. First light. First light. Yep. And so you recovered him quickly. Yep. Um, did, like, so when you and your buddy who had been watching this deer for damn near, you know, so five seasons, yep. basically, um, what was your guys' reaction when you come over that knoll and you see him laying there and you're able to put hands on him for the first time? Oh, man, it's goosebumps yeah uh undescribable it was you know almost brings a tear to your eye yeah it was i've hunted this deer excuse me essentially for five years like while i knew i wasn't going to try to harvest them like i'm hunting that deer yep and and when you all that time and work and you know all those hours in the tree stands comes together it's in my opinion one of those feelings you can't beat yeah it's unimaginable why we do it yeah it's yeah and was your buddy genuinely happy for you? you ecstatic. Feel? Yeah. Ecstatic. They all were. In fact, this is, uh, I got a really good group on buddies. Um, they're all so pumped that they are leaving their day jobs to come help me drag this deer out. Yeah. As, as much as they all can, you know, right? Like they are just as pumped, almost more pumped than if they shot it themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, and now, so now this buck's on your wall. Yep. Right? Uh, did the property reload? is there more deer to chase there now yeah Yeah. um and admittedly we did give it a little break um not for any reason in particular just hunted different properties Uh, my buddy was hunting a neighboring property very close to Mm -hmm. the original one and was fortunate enough to take a 190 inch freak that neither of us will ever match ever again freaking nature yeah um so yeah it's uh there's definitely more deer in there but now it's it's almost like you're kind of starting over yeah i know how these deer operate but you're you're learning a new deer, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the fun part. It is. That's the best part, yeah. man. Oh, so can't beat it. so um, obviously you're going to hunt Wisconsin again this year. Are you going on any other out of state hunts this year? Yep, thinking uh, North Dakota and Missouri. North Dakota yep. and Missouri. All right, that's the goal, right. man. I'm uh, I got a goal for a velvet velvet whitetails. That's your a, goal. A goal of mine. So okay, gonna try to get her done. All right. Well, Cooper, man, I really appreciate you taking time uh, out of your work day here and hopping on and sharing these uh, stories with us. Uh, Cool story, and congrats on a great deer, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. You shut her down.